All right, so as you can tell by the Marmar comments, there might be a little bit of a shorter share than usual. We'll see what happens. Um, okay, so in this week's parasha, there's a, there's a bunch of mitzvahs in the parasha. There's one mitzvah in particular, which I spoke about it, you know, maybe it's a couple years back, I think, already, uh, which is the mitzvah of, it's hard even to know exactly how to succinctly say it, but the mitzvah of preparing, making, using the Shemana Mishra, the anointing oil. So we're not going to get involved tonight with, with that mitzvah in general, what that mitzvah is exactly, or how to make the Shemana Mishra, whatever. But we're going to focus on one particular usage of the Shemana Mishra. So again, the anointing oil was made. So that's what the post in this parish in Kisisa talks about the different ingredients that the Rabbanishim tells Moshe Rabbeinu to use to make the, uh, the Shemana Mishra. So, um, so uh, it's a whole, and it's a whole procedure. The, the Gemara, it's a Gemara in, in, uh, it's a Gemara in Krisis, um, Gemara in Harius talks about how, uh, how the Shemana Mishra was made. And, um, but Lamaisa, once it was made, the question is what it was used for. So B'derachla was used for three, three to four things. Number one, at that, in that generation, it was used to, Moshe Rabbeinu used it to uh, anoint all the kalim, the Mishkan and all the kalim. Going forward, the, any kli that was ever used in the base of the Mikdash would just be replacing kalim of the Mishkan. So it was just that first, uh, you know, first generation of kalim that were anointed with the Shemana Mishra. But going forward in history, what needed to be anointed for the, with the Shemana Mishra were three things, three people. The, every kind gadol, if there was a new kind gadol, he needed to be anointed with the Shemana Mishra. A kind Meshuch Mulchama, the kind that was uh, in charge of, of war and so on. That was someone that was anointed, and the melech and the king. Any king that was in, that we'll see soon about it, but kings that were appointed for Klai Yisrael were anointed with the Shemana Mishra. So, what I want to speak about tonight for a little bit is specifically the Indian halacha of anointing a king with the Shemana Mishra. Okay, so that's that's the uh, you know we're going to zone in on that a little bit. <clears throat> now, what we're going to we're going to learn tonight is sort of like um, comparing and contrasting two places in the Rambam where he talks about these halachas. There are two places in the Rambam where he talks about the halachas of anointing a king with the Shemana Mishra. One place is probably the more obvious place is Mechus Malachim. That's one place where he talks about these halachas, establishing a king, and one of the things that you need is Shemana Mishra. So he talks about it over there. And the other place he talks about it is Hilchus Kalei Amikdash, where he talks about the general mitzvah of the Shemana Mishra and all of its different usages. So he, he, he talks about it over there, and he talks about it, you know, in more detail in Hilchas Malachim. So, so certainly in Hilchas Malachim, you're going to find more details, because that's like the headquarters, really. But there are certain things that he already mentions in Hilchas Kleimigdash and repeats over in Hilchas Malachim. So that's what we're going to see to compare and contrast those things that he says in Kleimigdash, and he says them again in Hilchas Malachim, Slightly differently, not slightly differently. That's what we're going to see. Okay, so basic, uh, I, I guess the first thing to see is Marmokka number one, which is what the Ramam writes in Hilchus Kalei Megdash. So the Ramam again is talking about, uh, he's, he, in the first parak over there, he's introducing the, the concept of the Shem Mishra and its usages, and he tells us the following principles. Now again, everything the Ramam writes over here is based on Gemara, so we're, not, we're, not, we're just not going to go through all the Marmokkaimists of where it's coming from, but it's how the Rambam, there's basically two two pretty much two sugis and shas where this is discussed. It's a Gemara in Krisus, Heim Abeis, and Harius, I think, Daf Yudala from Abeis. That's where these sugis are. They're pretty much similar Gemaras, but uh, this is where the Ramam is, is getting most of the halachas from. 
But anyway, he writes his follows. Again, Perak Aleph in Halacha Zion of Hilchas Klei Migdash. Says the Rambam. Again, this is in Hilchas Klei Migdash. Ein Maishchim Menulu Dairis. Going forward, again, after that first usage of the Shemun Mishka to anoint the Kalim of the Mishkan, so going forward, the Shemun Mishka is used El Kahanim Gedailim, right, to anoint Kahanim Gedailim, Umeshuach Mochama, and uh, again, the Kayim Meshuach Mochama, and Malchai based David Bilvad, and also the kings for Malchus based David. Now, th- this is something the Ramam is referencing over here, and he spells it out a little bit more clearly. Uh, in Hilchas Molochim, he talks about it more, more uh, clearly. He brings it out starker that the Indian of Meshicha with the and Mishcha is specifically for Malchus based David, for Malchus based David. Any other kings that we have from other Shvatim might be considered kings, but they're not anointed with the and Mishcha. I said we're going to see about that soon. Yeah, that'll be the next halacha. Now the Rambam writes as follows: I feel Kain ben Kain that when it comes to the Kain Gadol, then there will be a Mashiach even if it's you know son after son after son. A Kain Gadol even if he's the is the son of the previous Kain Gadol, so it's obvious who's going to be the next one in line. Still gets Shemina uh, Mishra, but uh, fine. That's what the Rambam says. <clears throat> so now in Marmokah number two. The Rambam continues on to talk about a specific halach, which is as follows: what you were referencing before. The halach is again the king, a, a king from Alchus Beis gets anointed with the Shemun Hamishcha. Now the halach is once a king is anointed and he's the king, so it goes Birusha, He's the king. His son is the king, and it, and continues it continues on like that. <clears throat> the halach is therefore technically the son of the king that takes over does not uh, require Mishich with the Shemun Hamishcha. He's the father was Nimshach. The father was anointed. So it goes on like that. In Marmokin number two, the Ramam tells us a specific halacha, a specific case of where even the son of the king would need to be anointed. And that's in case of like machlekes, when there was disagreements in the family, who should take over, who should not take over. So then you do Shana Mishra again, even to, the, even to the new king. But this is how the Rambam, again, presents it in, in Hilchas Klei Amigdash. It says the Rambam like this. First he says, uh, an interesting halacha, Ein moishchen esamelech el al gabe hamayan. That the place that you should anoint a king is by a flowing, uh, by a stream, by a river, by a by a mayan, by a what's yeah, by like a stream. That's where you should anoint a king. <clears throat> now, the, the, he doesn't explain why. It's, again, it's based on a gemara in Krisis and a gemara in Harius. The gemara, first of all, calls psukim, and the gemara gives the svara that it's a symbolic thing of showing it, just like the stream. Is strong and it goes. You know, it's a it's a good it's a simon toiv. So he should also be anointed by such a place as a simon that the person's malchus should be strong and everlasting and so on. And then the Rama continues. Now, generally, we don't anoint the king, the son of a king. You don't do that. Because once a person is a king, then the mal then the malchus goes be Yerusha to his son and to his son forever. And there's no need to have a ceremony to make the new king. Shnemer, who bun of Bekar Yisrael. Him and his sons are the kings amongst the Jewish people. But says the Raman, but if there was a machlaikis amongst the kids or whatever, so then we do anoint the son, in order to remove any machlaikis, to let everyone know that this is the king. Right? That's the that's that's what we do what you would do. Now says the Rambam, a few examples of this. Shloima. Shloima Melch was the son of David, so technically he didn't need Mashiach. But because 
but because there was another brother, Adoniyahu, who was claiming the right to the throne, so now there was a machlekes in the family, oh, so that's why they anointed Shleim HaMelech. Or another example, the Yoyash, again, another later person in the line of David HaMelech, was also anointed, and they, Atalia, again, another brother that was uh, making trouble about uh, him being the king, and so Mimela, he was also, Yoyash was anointed because of that. Or a third example, also Yoyachiz uh, was anointed again because there was an issue who should be the king, him or his brother, so they anointed him. Now says the Rambam the following thing. Now the Rambam of yours is referencing a story in Tanakh, which is that Elisha, Elisha the Navi, anointed Yehu. Yehu was a king, not from Malchus based David. He was a king from Malchus Yisrael. And when it, came, when it came to the kings of Malchus Yisrael, very often it was rarely ever father-son. It was always like new branches, new families coming up, always coups. It was, uh, it was chaotic. So <clears throat> the, the Ramam says, now we do find Elisha Hanavi anointing someone from not Malchus based David. So it sounds like uh, you can use uh, Shaman Mishra for non Malchus based David people. So it says the Rambam, no, no, no. That wasn't with Shaman Mishra. El That was using a you know a a, a imitation Shaman Mishra, and they used it again to for the same reason as mentioned before. There was conflict: who should be the king? So in order to be Mechazek, the Malchus of Yehu. They used Shemin, but it wasn't the Shemin, the real Shemin HaMeshcha, that they wouldn't use. They used this fake Shemin HaFarasimayin. For Deva Zem Maseras that's the tradition that we have. That's, yeah, we wouldn't even use that as well. Now here's the interesting thing. The Mepharshim point out, why is the Rambam bringing up that last issue over here with this King Yehu, with Shemin HaFarasimayin? So the Mepharshim explained... <laughs> is that the Rambam is uh, trying to subtly avoid a, a theoretical mistake that we would make. The mistake that we would make is like this. Again, we don't, the, only, the only time that you, that you normally use Shemana Mishra is when you're anointing king number one. Once king number one is anointed, in Malchus based David, for example, his sons, it goes automatically. The only time that you would use Shemana Mishra after king number one is when there's conflict. Okay, so maybe when there's conflict, maybe you should use Shem and Mishra also for Malchus Yisrael. Again, usually you don't use Shem and Mishra for Malchus Yisrael, but usually you don't use Shem and Mishra for anyone after King number one by Malchus based David either. So once you're sort of bending the rules or going out of your way to use Shem and Mishra to quiet Machlekes, so maybe you should use Shem and Mishra to quiet Machlekes amongst Malchus Yisrael as well. So that's why it comes around to say that we will use Shemin for to quiet Machlekes for Malchus Yisrael, but not the Shemin Mishra. We'll use Shemin Afaris and we'll use an imitation oil. That's what the Ramam is trying to bring out over here. Okay. That's the halach that the Ramam writes. Again, Again, boiling it down to basic components. Technically speaking, the only king that's anointed with the Shemin Mishra is king number one of Malchus based David. Any of his sons, the continuing on in the line, would not require Shemin Mishra unless there's Machlekes amongst them. Right? And then, says the Rambam, you would give the Shevna Mishra to quiet the Machlaikas. And says the Rambam, and we would do the same thing for Malchus Yisrael to quiet Machlaikas, but not Shevna Mishra, you would use Shevna Farsamai. That's the, the Rambam in Hilchus Okay. Now, like I mentioned, in Hilchus Malachim, the Rambam talks about in more detail the halachas of anointing a king. 
And so he repeats a lot of the halachas that he says in Hilchus Kalei Migdash. So, but just with with more, you know, but he, he he builds on it even more. What's interesting is is that this halacha that we just read about you know anointing the sun and so on, the Rambam again repeats it in Hilchus Malachim, but with a bunch of subtle differences. Take a look at Maramuk number three. Again, this is the Rambam Hilchus Malachim, Perak Alf Yadalf, basically saying the same thing we just saw in Hilchus Kalei Migdash, but. Let's pick up on some of the differences. First of all, says the Rambam, when you, first he starts off the same, the same basic idea. When you anoint the kings of Malchus based David, again with the Shem Mishra, you only anoint them uh, by a spring, by a river. That's the only thing we do. Okay. Now, by the way, even just stopping there for a second, there is already a subtle difference between what the Rambam, how the Rambam says this in Hilchas Malachim versus how he says it in Hilchas Kalei Amikdash. In Hilchas Kalei Amikdash, again, in the beginning of Marmokka number two, the Rambam didn't feel it necessary to point out he's talking about Malchus based David. Even though he is, because anytime you're talking about the Shem and Mishra, you're talking about Malchus based David. But the Rambam, all he said is, Ein Moishchan Esamelech, El Al Gabi Hamayan, that we only anoint a king. We only the only place we anoint a king is by the by the what king are you talking about? He's talking about Malchus based David. That's when we're talking about anointing kings, we're talking about Malchus based David. In Hilchas Malachim, the Rambam says the same thing that when you anoint a king, anoint him by by a river, by a by a stream. But over here, he finds it necessary to add the words Kishamayishchen Malchay based David. Okay, it's a subtle thing, but again, why the difference? Why why in Hilchas Malachim does he feel necessary to stress that he's talking about Malchus based David? Okay, fine. Huh? And why limit it? And why limit it? Exactly. Okay, we'll see if we get to that. Next. Now the Ram gets into the into the point of the son of the king and so on. Says the Ram. Again, we only anoint we usually don't anoint the son of the king, right? Elam Right? Unless there was a machlekes conflict, some issue going on. Then Maishchan, I say, then we will anoint the son, in order to remove the machlekes. And because of this, they anointed Shlomo Melch because of the conflict with his brother. So all these examples, we anointed the, 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 the Irish, the king, because of conflict with, with relatives. Okay. Again, the same basic idea as he said in Hilchus Kalei Mikdash, but again with some subtle differences. In Hilchus Kalei Mikdash, when he described why you're anointing to quiet the machlekes, he added a few words. Again, it's a subtlety, but he added a few words. Again, in Marmokka number two, so the end of the second line, if there's an argument, right, a conflict, we do the Mashiach in order to get rid of the machlekes. And to let everyone know, that he's the only king. Okay, that those extra words, the idea that this is that we we do the mashicha in order to quiet the machlekes, and to let everyone know that he's the king. That additional sentence to let everyone know that he's the king, the Rambam does not say in Hilchas Malachim. In Hilchas Malachim, all the Rambam says is that again, if there's a conflict, you do a mashicha, and that's it to quiet the machlekes. He doesn't feel it's necessary to add in those extra words. Why? Another difference is as follows. In Hilchas Kleha Migdash, the Rambam found it necessary to explain that even though we do this for Malchus based David, we still don't do this for Malchus Yisrael. That's why the Rambam had to say that for Malchus Yisrael, 
don't think we would ever use Shem and for this, even if there is a Machlaikis and we needed to quiet it, we wouldn't use Shem and we would use fake oil, we would use uh, imitation oil. That's what the Rambam said at the end, that when Elisha did, anointed Yehu, it wasn't with the Shem and it was with Shem In other words, the, the, the possibility was that maybe we talk a, to quiet the Machlaikis with use Shem uh, that we don't. In Elchus Malachim, the Rambam doesn't find it necessary to say that anymore. Again, he gives the same examples that we're going to quiet the Machlechus against Shleim HaMelech, and we're going to quiet the Machlechus against Yoyesh and against Yoyachis. But uh, the fact that we don't do this for Malchus Yisrael, he doesn't find it necessary to mention in Hilchas Malachim. The question is why? Okay. Fine. So let, 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 let's investigate this, this Indian of the uniqueness of Malchus based David exactly over Malchus Yisrael. Again, this halacha that... that a lot of this is coming from that the Shem and Mishra is only used, it's used to anoint a king, but it's only used to anoint Malchus based David. So on a simple level, why is that? Okay, Malchus based David is the most chashiv, it's the most thicker, you know, we, we, we could have many kings from other shvatim, and that's possible, you could have kings at the same time from different shvatim, that's fine, but the Iker Malchus is always going to be Malchus based David. The Shem and Mishra is exclusively used for the Iker Malchus, for the Iker Melech, that's David and Melech. But take a look at Marmokka number four, that's true, but Marmachim before the Rambam in, in Ilchus Molochim, earlier on in the Perak, sort of gives a, a deeper sense of what Malchus means. Take a look over here. So he says like this. Kishmamid and HaMelech, says the Rambam, just a general idea. When we appoint a king, so Meshach and Isaac, B'Shem and Mishcha, again, we, we use the Shem and Mishcha to anoint him. Shemar, he quotes the Pasuk, V'yikach Shmuel as Pach HaShomen, the Yitzhak al Roshai Shmuel takes the, the, the thing of oil, right, and uh, pours it over the king's head. The Yishakei, and kisses him, and so on. Fine. So you use Shemna Mishra, says the Rambam. Once the Melech is anointed, then the king now is, he's now the king, and he has the, the right of the throne for him, his children, forever. Shemalchus Yerusha, Malchus is Yerusha, like everything else. Shemar Laman Yarach Yamamamalachtai, who Abanav, the care of Yisrael. And the Raman says, Malchus Bulvad, and again, this is not this is not only true for Malchus. Mm-hmm. Any position of authority and power over over people is Yerusha That that goes be Yerusha. So if a person has the position of authority, uh, you know, then that, that position of authority goes be Yerusha. A person's a president or something, it goes be Yerusha. Now the Raman says something something different. Kivan Shinim Shach David. Now says the Rambam, and once David, once David was anointed, Zacha the Keser Malchus, he now acquires Keser Malchus. Very Malchus and now Malchus is his and for his male descendants forever. Says the Rambam, and David Melech was kind of the Malchus only not for his male descendants, but specifically for his kosher, for his from. For his uh, God-fearing Melchizedek, fine. And Afal and says the Rambam, and even though Davin Melech was only acquired, only acquired the Malchus for his kosher male descendants, which is Tali and Bechira, you know, persons at tzaddik, it's up to them. But but the Rebbeinu promises that the Malchus will never stop from Davin Melech; will always have uh, kosher descendants. The Rebbe promised this. Even if leave the Torah, the has with David. 
the Rabbanu Shalom is always going to be with Davra and Melech. Now, that last little bit of the Rambam, that once David and Melech was anointed, that he is Zoycha Bekeser Malchus. I've spoken about this a number of times, and I'm trying to point out that the Rambam is trying to say something new. Again, the Rambam started off the halacha with a basic principle. Once a king is anointed, he becomes a king. Once you're a king, you now own it for your descendants. What is the Rambam trying to bring out now with Davra Melch being anointed? Uh, yes, yes, okay, we, we got it. You're anointed with the, with the Shona Mishcha, you're now a Melech, and if you're a Melech, it goes to your children. Finished. That was, and we know David was anointed. This whole thing, quoting Pesukim, it's going to be forever. What's the Rambam trying to say? Okay, see, here, here's the Nakuda. There are two aspects of Malchus. And this is like, we don't, we don't have a lot of time, so we're going to just blend it with Pinimis right away. Okay? There's two aspects of Malchus. There's two aspects of Malchus. There's Malchus, there's, the, the, there's, there's being the king. There's being the king within oneself. There's the inherent Midah of Malchus. The inherent Midah of Malchus. <clears throat> and, and besides the inherent Midah of Malchus, there's also, I guess we can call the hispashtos, the, 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 the power of kingship. There's malchus itself, and then there's the sarara, the power, the authority, the, the, um, um, the, the, the aura, the encompassing, the, 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 the huh? Influence. The influence, yeah, the influence of malchus. There's how the entire country is under the, under the auspices of the king, and how they're all under his name, and a mosay aleichem, his fear is upon them, his name is upon them. So again, there's, what's, there's the malchus itself, and then there's the espashtas of the malchus, the power of the malchus, the authority, and so on. <clears throat> what the Rambam is telling us is that these are two separate things. These are two separate things. Whenever a person is a king, you always have to think or, 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 or question the following thing. What aspect of kingship does this person have? Does this person have, maybe both, does this person have the kingship be'etzem? The quality of malchus, be'etzem, is it something that he owns? Or is his malchus really just the, expand, the, 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 the aura of malchus, the authority of malchus? Or does he own malchus itself? You could have one without the other, and they're both separate things. The authority of Malchus, in terms of, it, of the influence over the Hamoinam, automatically means it, it's obviously less significant than having the Malchus itself, and it's dependent on the world, right? If let's say the Hamoinam, like, uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, is there such a thing as a king that no one knows is the king? Like, that would be, that would be the, the, the way to think of it. Well, it, in terms of the Malchus itself, huh? Right. So that's, the, that's an interesting Nakuda. So when you have the Malchus, when, when we're dealing with the Malchus itself, Be'etzem, so regardless if anyone knows about it or not, he's the Melech. In terms of the Hispashtas of the Malchus and the authority of the Malchus over the Hamainam, the influence of the king, that defining factor of Malchus, well, if no one, you know, if, if no one knows about it or if there's questions about it, then your Malchus is Shvach. These are two aspects of Malchus. What the Rambam is, is telling us is the Chiddush which is that there's something unique to David HaMelech, that when David HaMelech was every king in order to solidify one's malchus, there's a certain procedure in how to become a melech. 
But says the Rambam, when it comes to David Melch, what's unique to David is that he was Zaycheb Keser Malchus. The, kin, the, the inn of Keser Malchus that the Rambam is describing over there is that David Melch, the Atzmai, Mitzad Atzmai, for himself, is a Melech. He acquired the Nekud of Malchus within himself. It means that besides, you know, besides the, 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 the aura, the influence, the Kayach of Sarara, of Malchus, of authority, that David Melch also has, but besides that, he also acquires within himself the, the essence of Malchus itself. Once we understand that these are, these are two, two different sides of what Malchus is, Shem and HaMishcha plays a major role in both. There is an aspect of Shem and HaMishcha which is involved in the process of establishing someone to give them the authority of Malchus, the Sarara of Malchus. That's one aspect that Shemana Mishcha is an essential part of. But there's another aspect of Shemana Mishcha, which is that it's an essential part in, a, in giving a person the ability to acquire Malchus itself. And so just as there are these two sides of being a king, two different types of, two different aspects of Malchus, so too there's two different aspects of Shemana Mishcha involved in the process of making a person Melech A or Melech B, or one person, both types. And with this principle of there being these two sides of Malchus, the, the Malchus Be'etzem, and the Hispashtas of one's Malchus, the order, the influence, the power that comes with Malchus, and, and realizing that Shem HaMishcha, the anointing of Shem HaMishcha, plays a role in both of these aspects, we can understand the difference between what the Ram is talking about in Hilchus Klei Mikdash versus what the Ram is talking about in Hilchus Malachim. Let's understand in Hilchus Kalei Amigdash, the Rambam is, has not introduced yet this idea of Keser Malchus. This idea that the Rambam says in Hilchus Malachim, which is that there's such an Indian that David HaMelech acquired for himself Keser Malchus, which means that he fundamentally Be'etzem is a Melech, and, that, and, his malchus, and, and his Malchus is an eternal acquisition. And it's not dependent on anyone. It's not dependent on any environment. It's Be'etzem. The Rambam in Hilchus Malachim has not introduced that yet. So in Hilchus, I'm, I'm sorry, in Hilchus Kalei Mikdash, In Hilchus Kalei Mikdash, you never heard of such an idea. In Hilchus Kalei Mikdash, all you know is that there's such a thing as the authority of Malchus. And over there, the, that, and that's all that Hilchus Kalei Mikdash is talking about. Now let's, now let's go back to Hilchus Kalei Mikdash with that lens on. That all we're talking about is the Indian of Malchus vis-a-vis its influence, vis-a-vis its authority, vis-a-vis its power over people. Over there, the Ramam then tells us some basic principles, which is that Shemana Mishcha is a major part of that. Shemana Mishcha is a major part of solidifying the Malchus of influence, of power, of authority. And over there, the Ramam says, the rule is that even that aspect of Malchus with the power and the potency of Shemana Mishcha is only given to Malchus based David. Fine. <clears throat> says the Rambam, if there's a case of machlekes, if there's a case of machlekes, then says the Rambam, then we have to, even though usually we would not anoint the son of a king, but if there's conflict, then you should do it. Now let, 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 let's understand. If there's a conflict, do, that, does that conflict fundamentally undermine or at least create some cracks in the armor of the actual Malchus itself? In other words, we all know that Shalom should be king. But Lamai said no one realizes it yet. And Adeniyo is making a whole big thing that he should be the king. And there's a lot of people that back him up. Does that mean that Shalom Malchus is taka a little bit flawed right now? 
Well, the answer is, if you're thinking of Malchus Mitzad, its influence and its power and its authority, of course it's flawed. And so the, 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 the Meshicha that we're going to do to quiet the Machlaikas, in, in terms of Malchus being, uh, being defined on its influence and its authority, then when you're dealing with a conflict of who the king is and a suffolk who the king is, then that Meshicha is very significant. That's not just a, you know, a symbolic act to just quiet everyone down. The Malchus is, there's a, there's a deficiency, there's a fundamental uh, uh, weakness in the Malchus itself due to the fact that no one realizes he's the king. And so when the Ramam says that the son of the king, in the case of Machlekes, needs a Shona Mishcha, that's not just a symbolic throwaway, you know, whatever, we'll just, you know, that's not just basically a fancy text message that he's the king. That's a real, there's a real Mashiach over there. There's already Yerush in place. So officially... There's two kings. So in, the, in Hilchus Yerusha, this king, this, this child should get it. But for whatever reason, there's Machlekes about it, right? So even though it's true that Hilchus Yerusha and Hilchus Malchus, this kid, this uh, Yerush, this uh, child should get the Malchus, Abulamaisa, since there is Machlekes about it, so there's some, there's some chesarin, there's some deficiency in his sorora kite, in his minoi, and his malchus in terms of him being an authority over the people. So the mashicha that's required then is a mashicha that's spoils something. So that's why the Rambam stresses in Hilchus Kalei Migdash that when we're Meishich, when we anoint such a, such a, such a son of a king, it's a salaka machlekes, it's to quite the machlekes, and the Rambam stresses that it's accomplishing something. It's to let everyone know that he's the only king. In other words, it's not just uh, quieting Machlechus as if it never happened, just throw it under the, under the right. We're, we're, th- there's something that, that needs to be piled over here. Because we're dealing with the Malchus, which is all about authority and power and beyond the king himself, so Memela, when there's Machlechus, that kingdom has been cracked, that kingdom has been damaged somewhat, so it needs a real Meshicha to help it. Because of that, there's a legitimate havamina that maybe Malchus Yisrael under such inf- such s- scenario also needs added chizik with the Shem Mishra. In regular cases where there's a regular melech of, of Malchus Yisrael and there's no real conflict, okay, so how much chizik, we don't, we're not interested in using the Shem Mishra for Malchus Yisrael. But in a case of where the Malchus Yisrael needs chizik, like in a case of where there's machlekes about who the king is, then maybe even Malchus Yisrael should use, should, can use that added bonus of the Shemana Mishcha. To that the Ramam says, no, 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 we still don't use Shemana Mishcha for Malchus Yisrael. But it's all coming from this basic, uh, basic idea, which is that we're dealing with the side of Malchus, which is about the influence, the power beyond the king himself. And Memela, since we're dealing with that aspect of Malchus, if the Hamoin Am doesn't chap that he's the king, or this conflict, this machlek is about it, people are like, you know, on chats debating, you know, whether this guy's the king or not. It means he's not the king. Or to a certain degree, he's not, his, king is not, his kingdom is not complete. Therefore what? The Shemana Mishra that we require is a real Shemana Mishra. And this is a Shemana Mishra that's necessary to be mechazik his malchus. So ad kedekach, therefore there's at least a havamina that knew maybe this is an opportunity to use it for malchus Yisrael as well. I we don't use Shemana Mishra for Malchus Yisrael. But this is Mamish, uh, even, the, this is a case where Malchus Yisrael needs the Chizik. And this is a real scenario. The, the Shemana Mishra is, is needed for this. Kamash 1, we don't. But that's all the Rambam in Hilchas Kalei Mikdash. In Hilchas Malachim, the Rambam is not talking about that aspect of Malchus anymore. The Rambam shifts. The Rambam is now talking about the Malchus 
that is the, the, the etzim malchus within the king himself. Once you're dealing with the malchus within the king himself, then even if no one knows about it, and, no one, and people are debating it, and people are thinking maybe he's not the king, maybe uh, it doesn't make a difference. It doesn't fundamentally create any cracks in the armor. He is the king. I, he doesn't have any power because of that. It's not about power. It's fundamental. He's the king. Therefore, in that case, why would you anoint the son of the king? Just to quiet the machlaikis, but not to make a chalais. You're not trying to be poil anything with that shaman mishra. The shaman mishra is just used as a, as just a way of quieting the machlaikis. Therefore, in Hilchas Molachim, the Ramam doesn't find it necessary to add in extra words, la'idia, la'kol, that the Shavon Mishra is to be mefar, is to, is to be mefar, is to publicize something, to, 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 you know, to expand this person's, uh, you know, shame and so on. It's, it, 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 there, there is no chalais with the Shavon Mishra. All it is, is just a, a, a way of, of getting rid of machlaikas. If you get rid of machlaikas in another way, it's also fine. It doesn't make a difference to us. It was never anything fundamentally flawed about his machlekes to begin with. And because of that, there's no havamina that you would use the Shemana Mishcha for this purpose for Malchus Yisrael. This, this usage of the Shemana Mishcha is itself a little bit of a questionable usage because you're not really being piled anything with the Shemana Mishcha. So already it's a little bit, I'm not going to say a zilzal, but it's already a little bit of a, you know, it's a little, a little bit of, a, of, a, of you know, you're, you're, you're teetering on the edge of using something holy for something that's a little bit unnecessary. So, the, so it, already from the big, even from Malchus based David, it's already not so fundamentally necessary. So then, uh, so there's no havami you're going to use it for Malchus Yisrael. That's for sure not. In in Hilchas Kliyam Migdash, where the reason why you're anointing the king is to actually accomplish something with the Shemana Mishra, to be mechazek the Malchus, which has been damaged over the fact that people are questioning the Melech. So then, that Shemana Mishcha, which is accomplishing something and it's useful, says, I have a meaning. Okay, maybe use it for Malchus Yisrael as well. But in the case of Hilchas Malachim, where already we're starting off with a Malchus that really couldn't care less about what people think. Couldn't care less what people think. No, Lamaisa, practically, we have to, uh, you know, for the covet of the Melech, you know, it shouldn't be, you know, we have to quiet the Machlagis. Okay. So use the Shemun Mishra to quiet the Machlagis, but to, but to then use the Shemun Mishra to quiet the Machlagis from Malchus Yisrael, that's ready for sure we're not going to do. This is why, again, the Rambam in Hilchus Malachim finds it necessary to, to introduce this, this halacha with focusing on Malchus based David. Kishemoishchen Malchay based David, says the Rambam, we only do it by a stream and so on. Why stressing those things? Because he's trying to highlight that we're talking about over here What's unique to Malchus based David in the deepest sense? What's unique to Malchus based David more than any king before him is that he was Zaycha to Kesser Malchus. And that acquisition of Malchus Ba'etzim, that's the halacha that's being introduced over here. So what comes out is, is that this is a, the, the, the fundamental side is that there's two sides to what it means to be a Melech. There's the side of being a Melech which is all about one's influence and one's hashpa on the outside. And that nature, the nature of that Malchus, is is dependent on makablam. It's dependent on makab. If the hamoyinam is not makabel, the guy is the king. Then guess what? He's not a king. But mitzat sheni, that and that's legitimate. That that is one side of malchus. Mitzat sheni, there's another aspect of malchus, which is the, the, the malchus mitzaratzma, malchus by itself. And malchus by itself is something that's beyond just the ability and the authority of the job. It's it's fundamental to the person himself. And that aspect of malchus, even though you'll, you'll you you still want that person to be able to function as a king. 
But whether people chap it or not, it doesn't fundamentally take away from his malchus. And when you're trying to avoid, to, to quiet machlaikas, you know, from the, from the lens of that malchus, of that aspect of malchus, the quieting of machlaikas is not really being piled anything. You're not, you're not really trying to accomplish anything. You're just, uh, you're trying to quiet machlaikas. And this is what, this is what comes out over here. What emerges again from this halach of these two sugis of Shemin Amishra. No, this all goes back to, uh, and the penis of this is, you know, every all malchus down here is a reflection of malchus Hashem, and the malchus of the rabbanish loyalam is also one of these two, one one of these sides. You know, on the one hand, the, there's different ways how to say it. I mean, you know, the, the, I, I, I guess first I'll say in parentheses in, in, in a kabbaltik esprach, and then we'll explain maybe v'derech avodas Hashem. In a kabbaltik esprach, the malchus, the malchus of. You know, the king, kingship that we have down here, Malchus Yisrael, Malchus based David, and so on, is a reflection of, of the Midah of Malchus in, in, in the Olamists, in the spheres. The Midah of Malchus is a unique Midah. The Midah of Malchus is always considered to be a bridge. It's the last of the higher universe, and it's the beginning of the lower universe. So Malchus always, therefore, has these two dual aspects. On the one hand, it's something that is fundamentally part of something deeper, something higher, something transcendent. But at the same time, it's also the beginning of that which is lower and earthly and practical. And so these two sides of Malchus, both being fundamentally higher and deeper and inherent, and at the same time Malchus also being a matter of a kaych of influence and hashpa on the outside is reflective of these two sides of malchus in the higher world. And this is again when we talk about Hashem's malchus in the world. So it's also these two things. Like when we talk about you know establishing this world as as, as the malchus of Hashem, like with the coming of Mashiach. So what does that mean exactly? What what does it look like? What does it mean when the world is vayashem lamelech hakol aretz? So there's there's two aspects. There's two sides to it. One is that it will be noticeable, Hashem's influence in the world. Hashem's influence in the world. Everyone will be able, there'll be like Hashgacha Prata stories, like every single day, there'll be like tons of Hashgacha Prata stories. You'll know exactly why things happen. It'll be clear the Rabbani Shalom's influence of the world. That's true, and that's beautiful, but Lemaisa, that's as we're learning now, that's only one side, and maybe even the more, the more you know, cottonistic uh, side of what Malchus is. There's also something that's fundamentally, inherently true about being a Melech. And the world being the Rabbani Shalom's Malchus means more than just it'll be a place that the Rabbani Shalom's influence will be clear. It's going to be a place where the Rabbani Shalom himself and the covet and the inherent the inherent uh, royalty of who the Rabbani Shalom is, the transcendence of who the Rabbani Shalom is, will be apparent. Not, not just his influence and his power and his authority and how we can't do anything without him, but the fact that there is nothing but the Rabbani Shalom, that's, that's essentially what the deeper side of Malchus is going to be. Again, these two sides. There's the Melech, what does it mean, the Melech himself? It means the Melech himself means that, that besides the fact that he has power over the people, he's fundamentally transcendent. He's fundamentally misroimim. There's a, there's a higher quality to who the Melech is. Fundamentally. Forget the fact that he has power. He doesn't have any power. Fundamentally, he's misroimim. He's elevated. He's, a, he's, he's, he's kingly. He's kingly. That's what it means to be a Melech by himself. The same thing is with Rabbanu Shalom. The Rabbanu Shalom being our Melech means two things. It means on the one hand, there's influence Rabbanu Shalom has over us. 
and we sort of feel and recognize him through his influence. But there's also a recognition of the Rabbanu Shalom, Mitzanatzmai, as he himself, as just being a, a transcendent, altogether malchustic uh, being that we want to connect to. And so these are the two aspects of Malchus, as we see, and the two aspects of the Rabbanu Shalom's Hashpah uh, of the world. The position we should be to see Be'inayim uh, Niglin. Okay, now Shekayach.